Greetings and welcome back to the Etymology Rules Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Salali Bay. And for those who just haven't heard me in a while or who've never heard me before, just a reminder that Etymology Rules is all about equipping people worldwide with the knowledge and the power of language. And so my aim is to do that through my first book, Etymology Rules, Back to Basics. You know, it's been a long time, y'all. I know. It's been a long time since I've been um, on the show, since I've had an episode. So I just want to update y'all with a couple things. Uh, Number one, the book is still available. It's on Amazon. So check it out. Uh, If you are a word nerd, if you are a teacher or educator, if you're a parent of a student who's learning to read, if you are a writer, Recently, I've been thinking a lot about myself as a writer and how I think my knowledge of language and um, understanding how language works really helps me when I write creatively. And, you know, I kind of think of it like your words are like clay. So a sculptor must know the clay well enough to be able to create a masterpiece. Um, A painter needs to know the paints needs to know the materials that they are using canvas etc and you know as a writer we need to truly understand our words so shout out to all the writers out there I think you'll really enjoy etymology rules back to basics and so yeah like I said check it out um so I'm sorry for the long break it's you know I've definitely been doing a lot of stuff for um my school just teaching you guys know I'm a teacher by day And I've also been working on my writing, so just trying to get some creative things published. Um, And, of course, I've been trying to promote etymology rules. Shout out to my school. Um, I'm not going to say the school. Uh, I don't know. But shout out to my school because they bought copies for all of the faculty and they made made it the summer reading book. And um, we're going to be doing some training during the year with the book so I'm super excited and if you want to know more please reach out to me etymologyrules at gmail.com so let's talk about the etymology rules book list I have darlings to add uh, the first I want to add is a book that I read it's called Icarus Girl by y'all know my favorite one of my favorite authors is Helen Oyeyemi. Um so this was actually the very first book that she wrote I believe she wrote it when she was still in high school And she published it at the age of 18 or 19, if I'm not mistaken. Or maybe she wrote it um, her first year of college. Uh, Either way, it is a story about a young girl named Jessamy who was born in London, but her mama is um, Nigerian. She's of Yoruba origin and her daddy is British. And so it, you know, she has trouble navigating the world as a young biracial girl and she has like these fits and 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 kind of like tantrums um and she's kind of withdrawn she doesn't have a lot of friends and she reads all the time so she's pretty precocious she meets a young girl named who she ends up calling Tilly Tilly um Tilly Tilly is a lot of fun but she likes to do things that'll get you in trouble and so it's supposed to be oh just a little friend while I'm in Nigeria but lo and behold Tilly Tilly is back in London when she gets home and she's still getting into trouble and it's still mischief and really Jessamy is trying to figure out is Tilly Tilly real or is she 
you know, a spirit, because she can do all these magical metaphysical things. So, you know, I really like magical realism. And this book falls right into that genre, beautifully. Uh, It's, it's got mythology, which um, Helen Oyemi actually talks about mythology, and how important it is to culture. She says that myth is an unbreakable mirror that helps second generational sons and daughters of any culture, not just Nigerian, access the fears, joys, and humor and identity of their original country in a way that food, music, and family sometimes can't. They capture the mind, imagination, and heart, and that's why I love folklore. And I would agree with her. That's why I love folklore as well. Um, some of the mythology that shows up here uh, includes, of course, in the title, Icarus Girl. So that's the Greek myth of Icarus who flew too close to the sun and you guys know what happened next right the the wings melted if you didn't know um and then also the in the Yoruba culture um there's this idea or concept called Ibei which represents twins and so in the Nigerian culture twins first of all let me take a step back um I read in an article that Nigeria has the uh, highest rate of twins in the world. And so in traditional Yoruba culture, twins are celebrated and even believed to possess mystical powers. So Oyeyemi draws on this myth in the story. Um, So I would recommend it highly if you, again, like magical realism, speculative fiction. Y'all know this is not the first or the last Helen Oyeyemi book I'm going to talk about. So um, I would recommend it. Two thumbs up. So the book that I'm currently reading is called The Living Blood. It's by Tanana Rivdu, and this is the second in her African Immortalist series. So the first book was My Soul to Keep. I read that in 2020, and um, it is about uh, a young woman who married a man who was who is really much older than he claimed to be. Um, and by much older, I mean uh, hundreds, centuries, uh, maybe even a thousand years older um, because he is immortal. And him and a group of men did a blood oath to become immortal. And so um, they are the African immortalists. So a series of events happened in the first book that I'm not going to give away. But in the second book, him and um, his wife have a have a second child. And that girl is born with uh, all these powers uh, because uh, her father is of the blood and that's all I really want to give because it's so good and I just I really you know Tanana Reevedu has been writing since like the 80s nine let me say the 90s um she writes short stories she writes um tv tv shows um she has some nonfiction out there as well she is for those who don't know about her a hidden jewel but I just feel like everybody should know about her so I'm gonna assume that all y'all have heard of her but if you have not please check out anything that she does um she's wonderful and um yeah highly recommended I'm not finished with it yet I'm about 200 pages away maybe like 150 pages away from finishing so uh, I will let y'all know it will be the book that I had just finished next time we have an episode all right so I'm excited to get into this episode because it is about something that I 
love to do. Okay, so those who know me in real life know I, I love to dance. I love to go out. I love to party. Um, <clears throat> and when I was younger, I used to dance. I used to dance formally, I guess you could say. So I did a lot of ballet, tap, jazz. Uh, I did one one year of African dance, but um, mostly ballet, tap, jazz. And so uh, this is a really special episode because I am going to interview a dancer. And in a moment, you're going to hear the background behind how we got here and um, just the awesomeness. So get ready. Stay tuned. Let's go. All right. So I am super excited for our next interviewee. And this, I just have to give you a little background. So um, y'all know last interview I had was with Osiris Anthem and it was so dope. All the information he shared and just, you know, learning more about his art that a friend of mine and I decided to go up to New York and see him perform. And that was a whole experience because he was rapping. There was a, a band, they were doing improv but both the rap and the music was based, it was improv based off of the dancers. So then we met a couple dancers, but I'm be honest, like the best dancer there was the sister that um, we got to meet up with afterwards. She invited us to a dance class and just blew our minds. So um, without further ado, I'd like to introduce Tatiana Desadouin. And hey. just before, thank you. Just before we just before we started the interview, I asked her how to pronounce her last name because the way it's spelled is um ooh, it is not spelled how I would think to pronounce it. It's D-E-S-A-R-D-O-U-I-N. But it is pronounced Desadouin. And I think it's better that you say your last name so I make sure <laughs> you know I hit so, it. Yes, Desardouin. So Desardouin like the the trick here is like so the o u i n at the end o u sounds like u and then i n is one sound as well and it sounds like uh so it's a sound that's very nat nasal mm-hmm. so the whole world together these are doing so yeah not easy to pronounce <laughs> it's not yeah. But it's so cool that, you know, you got all these European names that aren't easy to pronounce that people just all of a sudden learn. Like when I was in school, there's this kid, last name was Swakowski. And I'm like, I can say that off the tip of my, t- like I could let it roll off my tongue. So I believe that all cultural names should be learned to that same degree. But I digress. Um, let's just jump into it. So you're a phenomenal dancer. I'd love Thank to know- you. Yes, yes, yes. I was just blown away. I, I promise you, like you could ask my friend who was with us, Ashley. I just was like, oh my God, I cannot stop watching <laughs> this dancer. I cannot because the way she dances and I wish that one day I'm gonna make my podcast um, something on YouTube so people can see who I'm speaking to. But like, she is just an incredible smile that was present the entire time she was dancing so you felt the joy coming off her absolutely absolutely i appreciate this a lot (laughs) yeah it's so real though um so you know i just want you to give a little background about yourself um for people who are not familiar with what you do and who you are and whatnot yes yes yes, sure so i'm tatiana from switzerland 
Um, my both parents are Haitian. I was born and raised there in uh, in Geneva, Switzerland, and uh, I moved uh, in 2016 to the U.S. I have a long relationship with New York because my family, I have a lot of family living here. Uh, there's a big, as you know, Haitian community in New York. And so the Bronx was my second home because that's where my aunt was living from my mom's side. So every summer, that's where I used to spend a lot of time. Um, and that's how I got connected as well with hip hop <laughs> a lot. Um, there's the version I learned from Europe, which is an exported culture. Mm. And there's the version I experienced coming here back and forth. Um, so I think uh, in my journey, it was interesting to connect both, uh, both perception, both point of views and, and you know, making my own uh, eventually and then make it become a part of my own identity. And as I start digging, 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 I understood the relationship more between me, who I am, and, and this culture. Uh, in a lot of ways, I think we will get to it. Um, and I'm 38 years old. Uh, what else I can say? Cancer. <laughs> what I did not know. That's what it is. I'm a cancer too. That's oh, there you go. Yes. Winter what birthday. What a sign. July 12th. Okay, I grew up with a girl. Her birthday was July 12th. She was my best no friend. Way. And she had a little brother who was born like 10 years apart from her. And he was born on the exact same day, which is no, yeah. crazy. Which is funny. One of the dancers that you saw when uh, you came to the performance, uh, the B-boy, Ivan, is also cancer and was born also July 12th. Wow. So it's like crazy, crazy connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know who else is a, a great dancer who's a cancer is Missy Elliott. Oh, know. she's cancer? Yes, she is. So a lot, so you need to know what you need to know about me is that Missy Elliott was definitely one of my biggest inspiration growing up. Uh, the love that she has for dancer is felt, was felt uh, in her videos. You could feel it. You could see the always dancers shining there. So I feel like it, it was impossible not to be like influenced or inspired by it. Uh, videos was always like so futuristic for me, magical. And the dancers were always crazy. So she's definitely part of my journey. And I know for a fact, for many dancers um, back in Europe, like she definitely um, did a lot with her music, but also her visuals, which were not necessarily always the case. Um, unless... Uh, when I was very, very little, old school hip hop, like you could tell, like there were more dancers in the videos. Uh, and then I felt like it started fading away as uh, with the music evolutions, you know, um, less representation. But Missy kept it really, she hold it down for us. <laughs> so I love Missy and I'm glad to know that she's a cancer. It makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Right. Creative people. Exactly. We are some of the most creative people. Um, so, okay. Tell me about, cause you mentioned this. I wasn't even thinking about this. So you said it, tell me about your journey with hip hop in Europe and then coming to America. Was it like, wow, this is totally different. Or, you know, did you kind of just build off of what you already knew and experienced? So it's a little bit of both. Like uh, what reassured me is the knowledge I had prior coming here so I always had this dream of moving to New York to connect deeper with the culture, 
dance, hip hop and house dance, uh, which I really fell in love with house dance when I, when I came for dance in New York in uh, 2005. That was my, the first time I came to New York specifically for dance before I was coming more for family. And that's when I discovered a club scene uh, in New York for house. And that's where I, that was it. I fell in love. I got hooked. And I think my, I felt safe because I had family here. So it was easy for me to transfer from another country to another one. You know, it's like, I, I feel home some more, somewhat. And at the same time, it's drastically different. Um, culturally, um, the system, you know, just to understand the system, I can tell you a very funny story. Like uh, the first time when I arrived, I arrived with like a little chunk of money uh, that I had aside. So I went to the bank to open an account. <laughs> and, then I, and then when I went, they told me, okay, so eventually you will have to get a credit card for, uh, you, you need to build your credit. And there's no such things for us in Switzerland. So I didn't understand what they mean. There is a, a such thing as a credit card for sure, but not in the way you guys are using it in the US. So in my head, I was thinking, so yeah, well, I don't need enough. She said, oh, you should hurry up, get a credit card. I said, what do you mean? Like, I don't need a credit card. Yes, you need a credit card. I said, okay, how does that work? So you take a credit card and then you spend, then you have to bring back money on it. I say, I don't understand. So what, I have money, what do I need? And they were like, no, in, in order to get certain things, like uh, a rent or whatever, like you need to get an apartment or a house, you will need to have a credit score and credit card. And I swear, she was talking to me, I couldn't understand what she meant by that. And then I started asking more and more questions and I, I told her, but why would you want me to be in debt? Why would you want me to be in debt? I have money, I'm just, I just told you I have the money, it's there, I can pay. Why, why would you want me to have that in order to have something else? And they were like, no, no, but and she, she was like, no, you need, for her, it was so logical. But for me, it didn't make sense, you know? And I had to ask friends to break it down for me so I could understand how the system works here in order for me to get the credit card. So that's one of the many examples I had in terms of administration and just how the system works to understand like, okay, I, so you asking me to be in debt in order to, this is crazy, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. So that's one of the things and, um yeah m many administrative ways like uh, here they will pay with a check say why would you pay with a check i have an account transfer to my account they were like no we, we will send you a check what do you mean you will send me a check what if people so i, I was <laughs> tripping and i was like why what would you do that like people can steal it and all of that oh this is how we do so what do you mean like <laughs> here's my account you have a system like, and then anyway, a lot of stuff to adapt, to adjust. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously now more and more people are using uh, wire transfer for sure. But there's many, many stuff, many, many things are different. Um, the reality of the, of being black here also is different than the reality of being black in Switzerland. It's similar, but different. How so? Um, so I feel like uh, racism is everywhere for sure. 
uh, on a high level, especially in Europe, but in a very different way, um, more, more psychologically, I would say in Europe. Here you can see, you see it physically, you know, it gets physical. I mean, people die, <laughs> you know, which is not something that we experience as much in Switzerland. But um, it's the same, you know, it's the same. You just take, dif it's just different shapes and forms, right? Um, you just got to learn how to recognize it. You know, how, here it's easy to see. Uh, it's open. Uh, it's liberating in a way where you can talk about it easy, easily. You know, it's not something that is taboo as opposed to where I'm from, where you are censored a lot. You're because you're, you feel muted because you don't talk about it. And if you talk about it, it's you're like crazy. What are you talking about? So um, the way they made the system is for you to feel fully integrated, but it's deeper than that. It becomes assimilation. So you almost tend to forget uh, what you are, you know? Mm. Um, and so for a lot of folks, they're like, some of them will say racism isn't there, but it is deep. It is there deeply in, in within the system and people's behavior. But um, the the way they made it in a way where you can be sleepy for all your life and feel like it's okay and, and not really see the issue. Mm. And uh, as opposed to here, it's clear. It's <laughs> it's clear. There's no. I feel like it's okay. At least at least we know. And and where you feel more comfortable in a way, even though it's more violent in the US, um, it's the community uh, building. Yeah, I, I felt it in a way more, you know, there's a community around, around it and around uh, the black diaspora here or black American period where you can easily talk about it and feel empowered and um yeah which is very different a different experience to be black in europe for sure how how what's the black population in switzerland like on average you know percentage and then even where are different black people in switzerland primarily from oh okay so in terms of percentage i cannot tell but what I would say in Geneva, where I'm from, like it's a very cosmopolitan city. There's like uh, all nation represented. You know, there's the ONU over there. So uh, you really have every nation represented. You have a large African diaspora there, a good population of Haitian people. So I grew up in the Haitian community. Um, and where I used to live, I was surrounded by uh, people from Congo a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but you have many nations, all nations are there, really, you'll find all of it. So mm -hmm. it's very mixed, but for sure, Switzerland is predominantly white. Um, and where you'll find most of the African diaspora uh, would be, or foreigners, not only from Africa, uh, even foreigners from within Europe, for instance, or, mm -hmm. or Asia, you will find more in the big cities, you know, than like small villages, you know, the more you get out of the big cities. So that's where, just like everywhere, you have like the pure Swiss people. <laughs> mm. 
so there for there i think it's tough uh, mm. tough for i have friends living in certain areas where i don't understand why they stay there it's um you mean black friends oh yeah black yeah. friends living there like it's uh, i have a thinking about my my boy camerones and then he's living there with his wife and kid and it's a struggle mm. struggle for him for his kid uh at school always have to come up because racist thing happening at school in the street uh because uh, his woman is white so have to face that so it's not it's not a easy area for instance to live in um but there's many places like that in Switzerland. Mm. so prejudice a lot racism deep down and they don't even know it that's even worse um yeah that is worse like you know that implicit bias that we see in so many areas of society like i um i'm a debate coach at my school and so one year the topic was ju- uh, was criminal justice reforming the criminal justice system and one of the arguments was that you know we should do implicit bias training for police officers i think that registers to people you know that we see how we see how people hold certain views of black people or non-white people. Mm-hmm. We see that show up in the police system. We see it show up in education, but I mm-hmm. imagine we don't even think about how it shows up in dance. Um, <laughs> and that's one of the things that, that made me want to a- interview you because in the dance class, I mean, you was given a whole sermon we was back there. I don't know if you saw us. We was like, preach, preach. <laughs> yes, I did. I did. And I appreciate it because a lot of time there's not necessarily a majority of black people in, the, in dance class, which I expected to have more when I moved here, which is mm. interesting. Um, um, but it felt good because I think for the non-black uh, people doing black dance, it, they could see that, okay, she's not only talking, it's not only her experience when she talk about that, it's felt it's, and it's shared by others that looks like her. So it, it has to be some kind of truth, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it felt good for me too, to have you in the class, just so you know. And oh. um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And then, so for dance, the way it's lived in Europe, because it's an exported culture, there's a gap between what they their understanding of hip hop um, or house dance. I'm going to stay stick to those styles because those are the ones that I do. Um, and their understanding of being guests inside black culture as non-black dancers or specifically if you're non-African-American. Uh, so to understand all the layers, because even myself, uh, I'm considered a guest inside because mm. this is from the U.S. So that's where I can kind of make a bridge, you know, to understand, to make them understand somehow, okay, as much as you are a guest, know that I am too, but probably not on the same level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's very deep layers. I'm Haitian, so there's like roots, deep connections between uh, Haiti and U.S. and the emergence of Black culture period within music, within jazz, that led all the way to hip hop. So the connection is real, is there. Our history is totally, totally tight to the uh, African-American history. 
big time also because Haitian is the first black nation, you know, uh, Haiti is the first black nation to took their independence in 1804. Um, then, you know, help many countries of South America and all the way in Africa to take somehow their independence. Um, I say somehow because uh, we could, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of layers to what mm-hmm. it means to be independent, right? Right. But, yeah. But really the, the, the connections are there. And deeper than that historical part, culturally, the connection is directly in it too. So knowing that a lot of people that carry the culture comes from the Caribbean, you know, so the connection for me um, felt, felt a little different, right? But yet I wasn't born here. I was born in Switzerland. Um, and I, the first thing I could notice being in Europe experiencing dance is their lack of understanding of the essence of it. So in my dance class, I focus a lot on the essence of it, which is the groove. So what does it mean? What is the social aspect behind that word? Where does that come from? Who does that belong to at first? So people can understand, even though it's used for many things, you know, it's been used for many things for, 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 for you know, being the groove for sex, for anything, you know, it's been used mm. for many different meanings, right? But to understand the original meaning of the groove and my personal also interpretation, but which is really shared by a lot in the, within the community. If I had to put words, I would say it's the um, auditory and physical manifestation of Black experience. Mm. right auditory because it comes first from music that's where you first found this this whole concept of the groove within black music right uh and then from there came dance so when it comes to african descent dance it's always first music then dance always it always has been first rhythm then dance creating upon a specific rhythm uh, and those dance forms are attached to a specific living experience uh, that that is experienced locally uh, or in your everyday life could be anything like uh, you, you, you recognize that that aspect in all dance form within the Caribbean, uh, all the way in many countries in Africa. Um, the names of the dance forms, right, is in relation with wh- what they do. You know, it could be cleaning, it could be cooking, it could be celebrating death, mm. uh, which also could be a celebration, not only something that you um, that you're sad about, um, if you understand what I mean. Yeah. And then, yeah, and uh, uh, many stuff like this. So, for people, the way it was brought in Europe, all that to say, was not brought with the full understanding of what hip hop is. Um, they understand where it was born, who created it, when, uh, the context of it uh, in very, very superficial ways, like, you know, uh, 73, uh, <laughs> the Bronx was burning, you know, so that's the context they have and they know, but they don't understand that it was meant first, it was created by black people into black culture for the black community to elevate themselves first 
uh, it, that it's a movement of liberation. And when it comes to black culture within the US, whatever they created was always about the liberation of black people. Mm-hmm. So you trace it back all the way to jazz, which where hip hop is like the baby of jazz, you know, is the contemporary version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know, of, and jazz was also a culture, a movement of liberation of black people. Um, so it's a continuum. And then you can go before jazz, you will go to blues and, and so on. And you trace it back all the way to slavery. Mm-hmm. So that's the direct continuum. So, and then of course the origin from Africa for sure. But then it's the shift happened during the transatlantic trade. And that shift was that you have to recreate your Africanism when you mm. arrive to that USA land. Um, and without knowing, I think the way African-American people created th- their culture is like a recall, a recalling to their origin, you know, whether they are aware or not. And I'm saying this because when you, people that study it, then they could easily trace back movement mm. and sounds and rhythms that are deeply connected to specific countries, you know, mm. and from specific tribes as well. Mm. So, and if, if you cannot trace it that far away, if you talk with people that are alive, black and still practicing jazz, authentic jazz, vernacular jazz, they will directly connect you to the words of the steps, um, they will show you a step. Mm. And then you will see that, oh, wow, I know that step. <laughs> and they will tell you, yeah, we've, we were doing it already. Mm. And it just had a different name at the time. Mm. And so n- whatever the youth was creating in the Bronx, they felt like it's new. Of course, they created a specific style. There's variations, but there's so much similarities. So it was already done. We just redo it and just twist it around to give a different flavor, different, and you adapt it also to the evolution of the music. And I think that's what created the shift in dance is the evolution of the music. It's in constant evolution, but constant, but it's a real continuum. And I'm, I say continuum because you can see the beginning of the root of it. Um, so that's why it's hard to say it started there. Mm. When people say it started in 73, you cannot really say started in 73 somehow. Um, it started a way before. And it's something, that part is something that I learned from uh, Monsell, Monsell Gordon, which is a professor at uh, UCLA, or, but also uh, like a, an activist, but also like a, um, a dancer, OG in the in our community from Philly. Mm. A house dancer? Like house dance? He's do it does it all. Like oh wow. Yes, it does like I mean he's known for locking and house and hip hop like social dance. That's his really that's his his skills really. And um so yeah he's uh, he's a specialist when it comes to black uh music and dance in America. And he studies a lot of this and trace, can create all those, those connections for you to understand where it comes from. Mm. So I, I love the way 
uh, he put that idea of understanding like he didn't start in 73 and just that I think it helps to explain everyone why we saying that it comes from slavery and help people to understand why what what do we mean when we say it's black culture fundamentally and if this is not your living experience you're you know you're a guest basically in it Mm. so I feel like it's really um um interesting you know to 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 realize how deep the gap is mm. and and to do the work of filling up that gap and create a bridge and i feel for me it's important because i'm from europe and i understand how they receive the information there i understand how i received it as a black person which is another layer of uh, understanding that they didn't have in, even though I was born there. Mm. And then moving here and, you know, traveling back and forth here, having those certain conversations and, and dig deeper within the culture. Um, so I feel like it helps to be a perfect bridge to explain, to be able to translate that with empathy. Mm. Um, so people can listen, basically because they do they do crazy stuff within the community that you know that that, that can that will make your, your your blood boil like crazy mm. Mm. and you have to distance yourself from that in order to be like okay if i decide to teach it has to make sense because the audience i'm teaching are non-black predominantly especially when i travel overseas so what is left there as we teach beside movement uh, about our culture, nothing, because through times it's being erased if they don't understand uh, who does that belong to and the why. So all that to say that they know who, where, when, but not the why. Mm. And the why mm. is the most uh, essential part that was missing in the transmission of the form. Mm. And it's something, I mean, this could be a class, not just because I could see this as a college class and it sounds like or a topic within a college class. Right. I know that exists. But I mean, I even think about my students. I, you know, I teach in D.C. Um, and I always tell people where I teach now is the first school I've ever taught in, in D.C. where it's not all black and brown. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you know much about D.C., D.C. was Chocolate City. I mean, I'm from <laughs> the suburbs of the D.C. metropolitan area. And so I always knew this is D.C. is the hub for black folk in this oh. area. And so now I'm here and just like everywhere it's gentrified. And I was like, I didn't even know this many white people lived in D.C. I just I had no idea until I started teaching at my school. But um, we have a lot of students who um have, you know, more privileged backgrounds living in the city, a lot of white students at that with privileged, privileged backgrounds, but they love hip hop, you know, mm-hmm. and they love mm-hmm. hip hop culture, music, mm-hmm. etc. And like, they'll say things and I'll just have to, I'm like, look, I know we supposed to be doing something else, <laughs> but I'm about to give y'all a whole lesson. Y'all need to know because these are things that you are drawn to because it is dope. But like you said, you got to know the why. Don't just tell me who, don't tell yep. me what they're doing. Tell me why. Understand yeah. why. So it's like, look, don't be surprised by reach out. And I'm like, let's build a curriculum together. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Like these kids need to know. 
Oh, listen, I, I love to share that because that's what I do also in my dance company, Passion Fruit Dance Company. Okay. So it's really something as part of, it's a dance performance theater company, but also educational. And there's a big side that's deeply about sharing that part. So I do it in college a lot. Currently, adjunct professor also at uh, Mount Holyoke. So I do that within a curriculum that I could build, which is so dope for me to be able to do that. Never thought I would be able to do that with hip hop in a college. It's not existent in, uh, in Switzerland, such things. So mm-hmm. for me to stay at, at teaching university is a huge thing. <laughs> so, but really like to talk about that, it's really something that we do it. I started very informal in regular dance class in uh, dance schools uh, as in, I started in 2015. And then it was very like informal. I would take a 30 minutes at the end of the class, sit down, let's talk. And then have that talk that was very um, bullet points thrown in the air. And so people could think about it, but really the goal was to talk about race and understand the why of the culture and why this conversation is, needs to be understood and it will shift also your way of approaching the dance, then your way of dancing it, and your way of uh, understanding why it's so important to preserve it. Because you're doing it not for you only, but mainly for Black people, even though you're not Black. Mm-hmm. Understanding if you decide to do it, that means you're taking part into the fight. That's right. This is fundamentally what it is about. And it's been forgotten deeply in Europe because... He has been shared as a culture that is for everyone. And that's it. You know, it's, it's, it makes me think about honoring too, right? It's like honoring of our ancestors. That's a big part of black culture. And, you know, the things that when we make music, when we make any kind of art, I mean, shoot, when I wrote my book, you know, all of this is to honor my ancestors. And so Mm. even when it's not black people doing the black things, I believe our, if there's, if there's a genuine, like, we're doing this because we honor it. If that shows up, I think the ancestors are happy and, and feel. They can feel it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I had a question. I've been thinking about this for a while. Why is house called house? Do you know where that came from? Yeah, from a club, a known club. Uh, uh, back then I don't know if it was before the Hades but I can definitely say that house music was created after the disco era early 80s very late 70s early 80s and uh, you know there's a known club called the warehouse Mm. where the first DJs I mean the pioneer DJs of house culture house music were spinning there and that's how house culture got its name house music Mm. got its name from that club the warehouse so that's why they call it house. Is it was it black folk who was Chicago? Yes, black gay men. Okay, so that's honors to the the pioneers or not even pioneers. We'll say forerunners because, like we said, everything has a source. Everything of this day has a source before, but exactly. the forerunners of house. You know, we need to know. This is just like etymology. It's an honoring when you can acknowledge the origins or we can acknowledge the storyline of where a word or a movement or a concept comes from. So everybody needs to know if you in the house, you need to understand where house came from. So I hope you nice. Watch. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Yeah. 
Um, so did you do any other dances? I know you said you do house and hip hop mostly. Did you grow up doing any other kind of dance? So in my dance journey, definitely I had to learn other styles within the street and club dance. Um, so for sure, popping, for sure, locking, um, you know, whacking from the cl- club setting. and uh, Whacking? Whacking? Wha- whacking. What's that? <laughs> so whacking is, uh, it comes from the disco era. So it's predominantly dance on disco, even though some people like use it on different music now, but it's come from the disco era. So it's, uh, it's a dance style that you use with your arm. So it's, it's sorry, it's hard to describe with the words, but it's really about swinging your arms around. So if people you've seen locking before, if you've seen um, Soul Train, you've mm-hmm. seen people doing some walking in it. Is it like know, a little bit arms. like voguing? A little bit like voguing? So people get confused between voguing a lot and, and, and walking. Okay. Where walking is is about it's it's like part of um the disco era funk styles where where uh voguing is on house music it's also gay community but it's about the lines you know Mm. where Mm. it's about the pose it's all inspired by uh vogue magazines you know Mm -hmm. by fashion you know so there's different house of groups of people from the voguing scene and they call them house which is a way to describe their own family and each in each house you have a mom you know so Mm -hmm. the 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 main figure of each house they call them the mom of that house Mm. so and the name of the house is like an odd to huge fashion brands you know, mm. so it's when you dig about this, you you'll see it's very interesting how they create their their house. So it's all in about in relation with fashion, aesthetic lines, posing, um, and uh, as opposed to whacking where it's Hollywood. You know, mm. okay. it's about you know it's about the drama Hollywood. Like I'm fabulous. Uh, all those the, the, the those inspired the the movement okay the, the dance styles is it like right. these are space so when i think about um fashion and i think about high end fashion or hollywood yes. like these are places that we have not typically had access to um yes. so is this like a kind of like adapt adopting this part of the greater american culture and making it our own, just like we do everything? (laughs) I think it's, it was, so just like house, it was also a way for a marginalized community to express themselves, right? So the LGBTQ LGBTQ community embraced that. That's their culture, you know? Um, uh, The way they decide to embrace uh, the style uh, I think black people always have been so creative, you know, so you make a lot out of anything, you know, and, and I, I cannot speak for this community to know exactly, exactly per se, the, 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 the reason why they chose to, to, to do it the way they do. 
you mm. know but mm. i just know that was the direct influence mm. uh, into creating the style you know which is amazing which is really amazing when you think about it absolutely because look at where it is today from from something that was so like it was in this community it was so purposeful for that specific group of people to where it's now celebrated although not honored per se but yes. it is celebrated and you know want if people want to even mimic and take that on that's a big i mean it's just like hip hop you know hip hop just started in certain communities where these people were not um there was a marginalization and now yeah. it's everywhere hip hop yeah. is everywhere i'm like i'm watching these commercials i'm like yo they got a uh, etsy playing a hip hop song on a yes. commercial like <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i mean again it goes with the industry the way they spread the culture without necessarily asking the founders how it should be portrayed right mm-hmm. um at first when it started to be spread in the commercial scene it was originally people from the the street dance community that really was representing the styles and from there it evolved into what you see on the mainstream um where they started to mix it with with jazz so-called jazz mm. start calling it use a style called street jazz somehow it's a mix but to do choreo basically mm. for artists so it was used to make money but at first it was the people from the community um uh and shout out to them to the mop top family elite force crew buddha stretch oh, oh, and henry link and all of them who were at the forefront of being the dancers choreographing for artists uh doing hip hop and from there opened the door mm. uh for that whole commercial world where you see a lot of choreo in a in a behind um artists um it, it's a watered down version i mm-hmm. would say of what is hip hop and i'm saying this for those who call it hip hop but with the evolution of it some people understood the difference and they start to accept the fact that okay what you're doing is not hip hop this is definitely choreo just separate it from what it is um and it it it, ha- it has been a problem because a lot of people were using hip hop moves without understanding the foundation understanding what they were really doing and mm. they mix it all together so it gets people confused on what hip hop actually is mm. you know but it's also part of the mainstream hip hop culture now for the world so it becomes what it is right mm-hmm. um but um it was also spread in a way where uh, peace love unity and having fun right mm-hmm. so which creates that thing where oh it's for everyone you know i just got to love it and that's it you know i love it so i can do it but yeah <laughs> politically in europe for instance in france for instance it was brought by it was used by the government to to control uh, communities, to control uh, um, ghettos over there, mm. right? Because uh, it's there's also, it's also a, a, for instance, Paris is also a ghettoized place, mm. right? Mm. They don't call it ghetto, but it's the same system. Mm. And um, and uh, they call it banlieue, and it's the same idea where you put a bunch of people from the diaspora, African diaspora, all together in one area, for instance, mm. and stuff like that. So 
socially hip hop was a good thing to to use to put to be like oh let's use hip hop you know and on the forefront when it was spread they would put more white people doing hip hop even on tv mm-hmm. you know through shows so it opened that door and spread that message yes hip hop is for everyone you know and it's been the thing i think um i can i wasn't there to 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 fully say what was said and the words that was said at at first you know when it when it got spread but um i just understand that it's true in a sense where you can do it you can be part of the community and the culture but what does that mean to be part of it and what does that mean to be part of this specific community that's where it's missing that's where you can see there's a lack of understanding uh, because it's not only you by you doing it and that's enough it's by you understanding like we were saying earlier mm-hmm. about the why and the history understand your place in it mm-hmm. which is um yes i'm doing it but this is black dance you know so this is not my culture but i'm being part of this culture part of the community you know and and participate into the elevation of black people mm-hmm. supporting it by doing it by celebrate them first then me and then through that you understand what this culture can do for me and i think why it touched so many there's not one this there's, there's not one country that doesn't have a b-boy crew mm. in the world can you imagine how deep that black culture vibrated worldwide this is sick mm. you know talking about language and words the hip-hop you know when you think about it, it's so powerful because it's really a culture that's everywhere mm. That gives me chills just to think about like literally starting in boroughs in New York to it is global. You're right. Every single place people are rapping. Yeah. You know, that that word hip hop becomes became so powerful. Like it's known everywhere. It's really everywhere. And then in and when you see the relation, the people that um, representing the most and the best are people that comes from marginalized communities in their country, mm. or if not marginalizing their country because it's predominantly black black in their country. You know, mm-hmm. it's um, it's it's like an outlet. You know, it's people that have you know uh, low source of income and yes. have a you know social economical situation that's not so great, but they see themselves into it they can recognize it resonates with them and help them to get through it because it it is said in the music so you can relate somehow you know understand that i i struggle and they struggle too so i relate and it's interesting to see how the uh, the white community that don't struggle don't have don't have necessarily the same struggle everybody has somewhat a struggle Mm-hmm. and for them this is their way to relate mm-hmm. you know it's on another level but this is their way also to relate right mm-hmm. so i'm not surprised that it it reached that far mm-hmm. right because you feel everybody wants a way to to heal you know yeah and that's that's actually a very very powerful tool anything black people do it's a powerful 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 tool for healing, yeah. for elevation, you know, and, and, and uh, 
for empowerment. It's crazy. I mean, that's what I think if about. If only we all knew, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's what I think about when I think about here in DC, we have GoGo. Um, even, yeah. you know what I mean? That is yeah. all blood, sweat, tears. And from all of DC life, you know, all the things that people went through in the 80s, in mm-hmm. the 90s. Um, I think about that, you know, in, in GoGo, they do a lot of, um, like, they'll call out different neighborhoods, you know, and there used to, there's a lot of, there was a lot of neighborhood beefs, but this is a place for people to come and celebrate where they come from. If the rest of the world don't care, at least, you know, at the yeah. GoGo, they will. And that's what I think about all of Black expression, you know, it's yes. like said, a way to, um, to heal from the pains that we experience yes Um, yes 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 i have two last questions two last questions and before Um, you keep going to those two last questions i just want to make since we're giving information that's important to say Mm -hmm. also that helps people to differentiate uh voguing from walking Mm -hmm. just to know that voguing was created in new york okay in harlem and walking in california so it's Hollywood. Yes. So okay. just so people understand, you know, uh, and it, it, it the working was in the seventies. So, so it's really like two different styles, but I, I people get confused because they use their arms a lot. Mm. You know, you use the full body for sure. You know, it's both. There's a lot of information within the body that it's used uh, f- more focus on the lines for voguing and f- more focus on, on uh, there's like a, a funk of it, you know, mm. when, when it comes to, when it comes to, um, whacking. Mm. So it's a different groove and, you know, it was dance on disco. So different feeling, right? Mm. So you see connection within the arms in the aesthetic, but actually the core vocabulary is drastically different. Mm. It makes see. me think people should do like a whole meditation before they start dancing. So you can like more so embody like you said, the essence is, I think mm. a lot of times when people go to a dance class, they're like, what are the moves? What are the steps? Are they focused on the moves and not too much of the feeling? But guess what? Dancing is, is a meditation in itself. That's this true. is the best meditation for me. Yeah. That's real. Yeah, man. I was like in the zone at certain point. Hey. I was trying to learn, I was trying to learn the steps because I was like, oh my gosh, everybody in here seems to know them. So I want to do it too. But then after a while we were like, we also want to group. We want to enjoy. Yeah, we don't we get to enjoy. Do this, exactly. You know? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and the other thing that it made me think about, um, in terms of dance, that's a release is which is now popular. Um, even though people have been doing this forever, is twerking, right? Like, yeah. You know, you go to the club on a Friday night after a long week, and you just leave it all in the twerk. <laughs> <laughs> so. Besides the twerk itself, because I feel like with the popularity of it, the, the, the way the main, mainstream put it out there, for people, it becomes almost like a joke. I can see, you mm. know, the way um, non-black people express it. Like, oh, it's so cool. It makes me want to twerk. Like, they're just like, hey, twerk, like, for fun. Yeah. And they don't really understand, like, listen, like, this is a black culture. You're doing it for fun. This is black culture. And this is something that's like um, meaningful 
um, for that community who's doing it, who created it, Where, wherever it comes from, whatever the background you relate or you don't, you know, uh, uh, just understand that um, wh- whether it's your values or not, that's what I mean, you know, mm-hmm. some, for some people, just know like it's, it's a, for some people it's serious. Yeah. It's not, it's not just, you know, something that you do randomly like that as a, uh, as a sexual tool as well. Only, right. Right. You know, it's really yeah. a dance form that people train and they do it seriously. They sure do. I mean, when we go to the club, I don't even, I don't even like dancing with guys. If I'm twerking, I'm like, I'm in my zone. I'm not yes. thinking about the, you trying to moving his hips. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. So here were my last two questions. Cause I could definitely, be on here for hours, but I want to respect yeah, your time. Um, <laughs> the first one is, um, what do you have going on now? What are you working on now? And you mentioned your dance company, if you want to talk a little bit more about that. But in general, what, what projects do you have going on now? So I'm currently ending a residency at 92Y uh, in New York, and we are uh, doing a, a new piece called Dimensions. It's about... Um, offering the opportunity for the audience to imagine themselves in different dimensions and thinking what dimension means to them, but also we are offering what it means to us. So we go from spiritual, physical, uh, through space and time, uh, the, you know, the whole overall meaning for us of dimension, what it could be and what if we could reshape are unexistent in another dimension, what would you want to be? So mm. an opportunity for people to dream, to imagine. There's a little touch of Af- Afrofuturism in it. It's a very futuristic piece, but um, I'm uh, the, core, the core crew of the company. Uh, I'm the only black one. The mm. other one is Swiss and the other one is Vietnamese and, 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 uh, and, and white, uh, mixed. So it's really about they are part of the street and club dance community, but they understand how it is important for, for, for us, the three of us to always bring it back to the black essence of, of what we are doing, you know, and now I want to honor it and celebrate and be able to tell my own story as I'm the choreographer of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole section that will be dedicated to, uh, to Afrofuturism concept because mm-hmm. I love this idea behind Afrofuturism, which is really like uh, reimagine your own history, you know, as a black person. And for me, I was like, wow, this is amazing because hip hop is fundamentally, I overheard someone say that on a TED talk, uh, talking about as I was researching for my piece. And he was talking about that. He was saying on how he relates it deeply to hip hop because hip hop is fundamentally like Afrofuturism. And it yes. makes so much sense with all the work that I'm doing already with my company and the educational aspect. I was like, wow, what another beautiful way that connects with the piece because it's a futuristic piece. So like, we're doing hip hop. So why not, you know, Afrofuturism to the fullest. Um, but, but not only, we touch on different topics. Um, and it's really like, um, what does, what would you be in another dimension? What would you dream? And the um, inspiration for it was the photography work of my friend, Lauriana Gale, which is one of the core member. Uh, shout out to her. 
She's an amazing photographer and her photography work, she made a series called Double Trouble where she was all of that, uh, overlapping images in such a way. And it did give me the idea, whoa, let's create a piece out of her photos. And mm. from there, it went deeper to this idea of creating the piece dimension. So we co we wrote together during this residency, the piece, the different section we want to elaborate, how we want to each section to represent our way to recover our identity. And it's a multidisciplinary piece where it's going to be projection, VJing, uh, motion caption, uh, animation, and dance and photography work and live painting and live music. So when is that? a whole lot. So there's no end date. It's a residency. So right now we just, we didn't have to deliver the full piece at the end. It's a work in progress. Okay. We finishing the first section of it. And there's like eight. Okay. At the end, uh, this piece probably will be very long. Okay. Um, full evening length piece, at least an hour. Okay. But right now we all to like 15, 20 minutes work. Okay. Uh, and yeah, that's, that's the new, that's what I'm, working on and and yeah passion for dance company it's a street and club dance educational and theater performance company so um will you be advertising on your instagram or social media when you have be able uh, to perform yeah so yes i don't know what's up with, with instagram but they shut down the instagram of the company ask me why i don't know i don't know anything weird on there I think it was a confusion with um, me trying to repost something or remove repost constantly. And they probably thought it was like a spam or whatever. I don't know. So they shut it down. So I'm posting on my personal IG, which is Tatiana Desardoins, all in one word, T-A-T-I-A-N-A-D-E-S-A-R-D-O-U-I-N. <laughs> and on there, you'll find all about the, the um, we have, uh, a, I have a link tree. On, on there on the bio so you can see all about the company um, I always post news about our performances and we'll be performing at summer stage if you're in New York uh, and in the new victory as well this summer in July um, and yeah if you're in Canada I don't know if you ever hear this podcast we'll be at the <laughs> Guelph Festival in June next month come through Guelph Festival and yeah, that's what the, it's basically it. When... So you're booked and busy is what you're really telling us. And... Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as you should be, as you should be. Um, and then, okay, my final question is something I ask everybody. Do you have a favorite word? So this question is so difficult. <laughs> you know, Os Osiris had a hard time with it too. And he gave me um, a favorite letter or like a favorite sound but it could be anything it could even be not english like whatever just word sound idea so now there's when now that you say that there's many words that comes in uh definitely in creole i would say it it but it spelled the original way not h-a-i-t-i Mm -hmm. But IT spelled the Tainos way, the way the original uh, people from this island called it, spelled it, which was A-Y-I-T-Y, which means the flower of the island. Flower of 
that. And you know, I'm writing this down. <laughs> yes, of course. Oh, so. that is beautiful. That is beautiful. What a, what a wonderful, um, you know, I've odd. never been, it's odd, but I've never been to Haiti or IT. Yes, in French, IT, in English, Haiti, <laughs> and uh, in Creole, IT, the way, the way I spelled it, this is in Creole, this is how we say it, and it's from, coming from the Tainos, okay. indigenous. And so is it, is it a very floral island, or is it, you know? It's green! Okay. Island! Yeah, it's green. I mean, b- besides the images that you see about Haiti, uh, poverty, and all of that, Haiti is a beautiful, beautiful place, you know, and resourceful. And this is why all those countries want it mm. so bad and won't go there and take their resources, you know, mm. like many, like many of those countries over there. So, so they really like, um, it's really like a green place. You go, you have beautiful nature, landscape, like waterfalls, rivers, and, and, and many type of different plants that you won't find here, you know, food, you know, it's right there on the tree. You just take them and sweet, juicy, flavorful, uh, you know. It sounds <laughs> like a dream. I, love hey, it. I mean, this is what it is. This is what it, you know, it was considered the most beautiful country of the island back then, you know, but, uh, yeah, politics, politics messed it up for sure. Mm, mm, mm. Well, it's I hope the price to get, of our freedom for sure. I hope I get to visit and see all the beauty. Yes, um, yes, yes, yes. I, I, I hope so that you eventually can. Not now, please, but <laughs> yes, yes. It's a, it's a hard time now, but hopefully, I'll get a little better and you you get to see the that beautiful country for sure and meet people as beautiful as you are so thank i just you. absolutely Likewise. oh thank you Likewise. So, i you know i just want to say thank you once again i really appreciate having you on here you dropped so many jewels i think people are gonna have to go back and listen multiple times to catch everything um <laughs> and as i say to um almost i won't say all but almost all my interviewees i would love to have you back sometime in the future so just this connection will always last if i have anything to say with pleasure and a part of the family yes you know and i appreciate that you know you saw the show and directly i said hey tomorrow there's a class you want to dance and you just spontaneously just came through that says a lot and that 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 mean that connection was meant to be so i'm happy i'm happy i'm there now yeah agreed agreed (laughs) All right, so I told y'all that was gonna be a treat. Um, phenomenal, like I said in the in the uh, episode or in the interview. I really hope that y'all get a chance to see Tatiana dance because she's phenomenal. Um, so that brings us to the end, and because you stuck around, I have a little something for you. So um, I have a word of the episode. And I was doing it at the beginning before, but I said, no, nah, I'm going to keep it. Tw- I'm going to do it at the end. I'm, I'm going to try something a little different. So we're going to try to have it at the end and see if uh, y'all like this format. Please give me feedback, please. I'm always seeking feedback. Um, okay. But the word of the episode is ballet. Now that may sound basic or you're like, oh, that's simple, right? Like, oh, that's, that makes sense. Cause you was just talking about dancing. Um, but the reason why I chose this word is because 
honestly, the first word that I did think of was not ballet, but bailamos. Side note, y'all remember that song by Enrique Iglesias called Bailamos? It went like, bailamos, let the rhythm take you over, bailamos. Okay, enough of my terrible singing. Let's get back to the episode. Meaning, we dance in Spanish. So... I thought of Bailamos, and then I said, you know, Bailamos, ballet, there's definitely similarities there. I mean, the vowel is different, but that initial consonant and um, the, the double L's, that's the same. And so uh, I did. I said they have to be related. I'm, you know, I'm, I, I was confident anyway that they were, and lo and behold, they are. So both ballet and Bailamos, which Bailamos comes from the... Uh, Spanish infinitive bailar, which means to dance, okay? So both of those come from the Latin bailare, B-A-L-L-A-R-E, which means to dance. And that word came from the Greek bailazane, which means dance or jump about. Now, that shows you that ballet and bailar or bailamos are related. And please, for all the Spanish speakers out there, forgive me. I know my accent sounds terrible, but um, the other word that that I didn't really think about until I started doing a little research that is related is ball. Now, not the round thing that you play sports with, or uh, I guess it's not always round, but not the uh, object that you play sports with, but ball as in going to a ball. And that does make sense because a ball is a dance. So... Anyway, uh, bailamos, bailar, and ballet, words of the episode. Thanks for staying tuned for this little nugget at the end. Um, Next episode will be the dictionaries one. I know it's supposed to be this one, but I just couldn't couldn't wait because this, uh, like I said, just so effervescent. Um, That that was um, Tatiana's energy when I first met her. So, yep, stay tuned for the dictionary episode and more great interviews. Thanks, y'all. Peace.